We're in a series called Jesus is the Subject. We're keeping Jesus the subject of our church, of our lives, trying to become more like him means doing the things that he did. It's transforming our attitudes, our thoughts, and our actions after the model that he set before us. We use Ephesians 4.15, which is our verse up here. We will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. And we use Hebrews 12.1-2, through 2, about keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith. The first week in our series, we talked about purpose and priorities, because Jesus knew his purpose. He came to save the lost. He aligned his priorities to fulfill that purpose. He was intentional in establishing his priorities to fulfill that purpose. And we talked about our purpose as people that are made in the image of God. As followers of Christ, we're to give him glory in all we do. 2 Corinthians 5.20 calls us Christ's ambassadors. Ambassadors are officials that are on a temporary mission in another place. That describes us. Our temporary time on earth, here to glorify our creator before he takes us back home. Are our priorities, though, lining up with our purpose? Are we seeking first the kingdom of God? And focusing on those things that have eternal value. Are we on our knees in prayer, seeking his direction and his guidance for our life? So we looked at Jesus' prayer life, how he prayed with others. He prayed often. He prayed for others. We studied the importance of his humility and how we need to have humility in our prayers as well. Because our prayers are not grocery lists. It's not just us saying, God, can you do this? God, I really need this. God, uh, did, did you forget? I really need this. We have to recognize that our prayers are just our response to his love for us. They are first and foremost a way for us to worship and praise him. We've got to seek his face, not just his hand. Because when we seek his face, we're seeking that one-on-one relationship with him. And that's what transforms us at our core. That's what makes the difference. When we approach him, when we approach his throne with thankful hearts, with worshipful hearts, his will becomes our will. And our prayers no longer become a grocery list. And then last week, we looked at Jesus' compassion. Compassion has two parts to it. It's a feeling of deep sympathy accompanied by a strong desire to alleviate someone else's suffering. See, feeling sympathy or sorrow for someone without actually doing something, that's not compassion. That's just feeling sorry for somebody. But what we looked at was Jesus' response to the adulterous woman. The religious crowd was there to shame her, to humiliate her, Jesus had a different plan. He had compassion on her. She needed help, not humiliation. She needed saving, not shaming. And so that's how Jesus responded. And then we looked at the man that he healed of leprosy. He could have healed him with just a word. But he knew 
to respond with compassion meant to touch that man that hadn't been touched in years. That's compassion. Tonight we're going to look at servanthood. Jesus was known as the humble servant. His entire life was centered on serving God and serving others. It was his love for God in his service to God that he served others. What we're going to look at tonight is what Jesus says to James and John. When they come to him, they're all excited. Lord, Lord, when you get to glory, can we sit on your left and your right in glory? And Jesus says, uh, I don't think so. <laughs> Let's open our Bibles to Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 42. Calling the disciples to himself, Jesus said to them, You know that those who are recognized as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. But it is not this way among you, but whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for, men, for many. Jesus turned their entire worldview upside down. They were looking for fame. They were looking for glory for themselves. And Jesus says, you have it all wrong. And you, get, you know, oftentimes with the disciples, we kind of scratch our head. And we say, are they paying attention? Now, up to this point, they had seen Jesus touch the unclean, cast out demons, feed thousands, heal multitudes of people, give sight to the blind, give hearing and voice to the deaf and the mute. In each of these events, Jesus was a servant. Did they miss it? In each of those events, Jesus also displayed those first three character traits that we just talked about. Purpose, prayer, and compassion. Because in order for us to be a servant of God, to serve the way Jesus served, we have to understand the importance of those first three traits. Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? Because that's where you're going to find your purpose. Ephesians 2.10 says that we're God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. We were made to serve. There was a study published in U.S. News and World Report back in 2012, and it showed that people who served others regularly had a better psychological well-being, they lived happier lives, and it even improved their overall health and the length of their life. And parents, here's a little note. For the children and teens that volunteered and served, even those that were forced to volunteer because mom and dad said so, those ones became adults with a more positive outlook on life. And they were healthier as adults. God wants us to serve. This study, science, is just telling us what the Bible told us 2,000 years ago. We were made to serve. The second thing we need to be careful of is our prayers. 
Are you aware of the power that is available to us through the Holy Spirit? The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in us. If you are a follower of Christ, if you believe that Jesus is Lord and Savior, that power is in you. Do you understand what that means? (laughs) And you have compassion. Do you love people? Because if we serve without a love for people, it's going to make us bitter. To be a servant for God, to serve the way Jesus did, we have to be willing to be a vessel. A vessel for his work and his glory to shine through us. We have to know God personally. We have to recognize the resources and the power that he gives us through his grace. Ephesians 1, 5 through 8. He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. Through Jesus' ultimate act of servanthood, when he gave his life for us, we got access to God's grace. And as we're saved by grace through faith, so we must work by grace. And as we seek to serve the way Jesus did, he's going to keep giving us the grace to do it over and over and over. It never stops. Any of you ever been on a cruise you're out in the middle of the ocean and all you see for miles is ocean that's the grace God has that much grace for us it never stops it's just never ending and that's what we're serving from anybody can do good things you don't have to be a follower of Christ to feed someone or to clothe them or offer help of any kind But the difference between a humanitarian and a servant of Christ is grace. It's God's grace that motivates us. It's God's grace that gifts us and provides us everything we need to serve him. It's God's grace that keeps us going. It's God's grace that strengthens us to do his work. 2 Corinthians 9.8 says it this way. And God is able to make all grace abound to you. So that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. We're made to share the glorious riches of grace that we have through Jesus Christ. That's what our servanthood is all about. See, God's looking for distributors of his work. He's not expecting us to manufacture ways to solve the problems of the world. He's the giver of grace. He's the giver of resources and expects you and me to be the distributors, the servants in this world. Let's turn to Matthew 14, starting in verse 13. Verse 13. 
This is when Jesus is about to feed the 5,000. And he had just gotten the news about John the Baptist. When Jesus heard about John, he withdrew from there in a boat to a secluded place by himself. And when the people heard of this, they followed him on foot from the cities. When he went ashore, he saw a large crowd, and he felt compassion for them. There's that compassion again. And he healed their sick. But when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This place is desolate. The hour is already late. So send the crowds away, that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. Send the crowds away. Sometimes when God puts an opportunity before us, we'd rather ignore it. Send them away. Just send them away. But Jesus said to them, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, We have here only five loaves and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. Ordering the people to sit down on the grass, he took the five loaves and the two fish. And looking up toward heaven, he blessed the food. Breaking the loaves, he gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. They picked up what was left over of the broken pieces. Twelve full baskets. That's God's grace. Never ending. There's always more. There were about 5,000 men who ate, besides women and children. The disciples were looking at this in practical terms, looking at what they could do or couldn't do within their own strength. But Jesus knew what he was going to do. The situation didn't surprise him at all. When challenges pop up around us, God has already given us the resources to take care of it. When he puts opportunities to serve before us, he's already given us exactly what we need to do it. We just need to be distributors. When we are distributors of God's resources, distributors of his grace, he gets the glory. It takes the focus off of ourselves because that's what the heart of a servant is. But what we do is we have this manufacturer mentality. So we revert to depending on our own experiences our talents, our abilities. So when God asks us to serve another, we assess ourselves. We look at our abilities, and automatically we start saying, oh, I can't do that. Oh, I'm not good at that. So-and-so is so much better at that than I am. Or maybe we think the task is, is too small for us. I want to do something big. That's below my pay grade. I was made for bigger jobs. There's a story of a husband and wife. They were asleep one night at home, and it was about 3 o'clock in the morning, and they heard a banging on the, a banging on the front door. And the husband, being a good husband, got up, went downstairs, opened the front door, and there was a man there, a little disheveled, his hair was messed up, and maybe a little bit of alcohol on his breath. And he said, can you help me? I, I need a push. And it's pouring out. And the husband says, it's 3 a.m. 
closes the door in his face. He goes back upstairs, and his wife says, well, what, what happened? He says, oh, it was just some guy out in the rain just asking for a push. And the wife says, don't you remember that time that we got stuck and someone came and helped us? You ought to be ashamed of yourself. Get back down there. So you're right. So he gets dressed. He goes back downstairs, goes out the front door. It's dark, so he steps out. He says, hello, are you still here? And he hears a voice that says, yes. Do you still need a push? Yes. All right, the husband says, well, where are you? I'm over here on the swing. <laughs> you know, sometimes the things that God asks us to do just don't make sense. There's no act of service that's too big. There's no act of service that's too small for a servant of Christ to do. When you think that an opportunity before you is too big, think of Moses. He stuttered. Abraham was too old. Jeremiah was depressed and suicidal. Martha was a warrior. Paul was a murderer. When Jesus talks to the disciples about servanthood, and he tells them, if you want to become great, you have to be a servant. He's reminding them that it's not who you are that matters. It's not how powerful you are that matters. It's how open you are to serving others that matters. That's how you will know that you are my servant. <clears throat> If you think something's too small for you to do, too menial, you want something bigger, remember Jesus, on the night he was to be arrested, he washed the disciples' feet. John 13, let's read it. So when he had washed their feet and taken his garments and reclined at the table again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, the Lord and the teacher, washed your feet, you also ought to wash another's. For I gave you an example that you also should do as I did to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is one who is sent greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. He washed Thomas's feet, who was the doubter. He washed Peter's feet, who would deny him three times. And he washed Judas's feet, who was the one who betrayed him. And that is our role model. That's our example of servanthood. And we're to have his mindset. The one who in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God to be used as an advantage. He humbled himself, and that's supposed to be our role model. Wow. Serving starts with the attitude in our hearts. It's an attitude of thankfulness back towards God. It's an attitude that moves self to the background so God gets the glory. As servants of God, we're supposed to be producing fruit, not just results. Because results are based on numbers. 
and numbers become statistics. And statistics eventually become forgotten. But fruit produces seeds. And when those seeds get blessed and watered by God, they produce more fruit and then more seeds and more fruit. And it's an endless cycle. That's what the servant of Christ is supposed to be doing. If our motive for our service is anything other than glorifying God, then our actions just become religious activity. There'll be times when God tells you to do something and you can't understand the why or the how. Do it anyway. On Thursday night, when we had our prayer meeting at Dunkin' Donuts, when we were getting ready to leave, there was a woman that had been in the restaurant for a while, and she had her son with her. He was late teens, early adult, probably had cerebral palsy. He was in a wheelchair. And I kept standing off to the side. I kept standing off to the side. And Jay came up and he said, what are you doing? Are you ready? I said, no, I'm not. I said, I just feel like God's telling me to go over there and talk to this mom. But I don't know what I'm supposed to say. I don't know her. She's just in Dunkin' Donuts. What am I supposed to say? And I stood there and I stood there and I kept praying, Lord, what are, I, I'm not sure what you want me to say. And there's a little voice that said, how about just saying hi? I said, oh, good point. So I got up the courage. I said, okay, Lord, I've got to do it. And so I walked over there, and I said, hi. And we just talked for about 10 minutes. And I met Ryan. That was the young man's name and his mom. And we talked for a while. And she said, we love it when people come and say hi to us. Wow, God, you knew that. And I almost missed it. And as we finished talking, I said, is it okay if I pray for you? And she said, oh, yes. She said, we love prayer. We'll take all the prayer we can get. Wow, Lord. Thank you for, sit- for hitting me upside the head with that two-by-four because I almost missed it. See, when we serve out of our desire to honor and glorify God, it's going to amaze us. It's going to bring us a peace and joy that just doesn't make sense. Because if we can explain what's going on, God didn't do it. If you can explain how something worked, you manufactured it, not God. Because you can't explain a miracle. You can receive it, you can share it, and you let God have all the glory for it. True servanthood happens when help is offered, even when there's nothing given back in return. True servanthood gives glory to God. And God gets the glory when people see him in our actions, not us. The reason we share those testimonies during our welcome time is so that we can exalt God together, so we can share and experience his work and his miracles together. Each week, we should have stories to share about how we've seen God working because our servanthood isn't an option. 1 Peter 4.10 says this way. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. 
Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. If we really want to show the world Jesus, then we need to serve all the time, everywhere we go. Because nothing reflects the love and character of Jesus louder than our actions, born out of our love for our Savior. Paul said that he made himself a slave to all so he could, sla- so he could save those that he met. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Hebrews 4.16 Let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we'll find grace to help us when we need it most. When God tells you to do something, don't argue with him. His grace is there to get you through it. How do we know that we're serving God and not ourselves? How can we be sure that we're not putting our own little motivation in there? Because servants are tired in the work. They don't get tired of the work. Servants succeed as they pray for their work. They don't pray for success in their work. Servants serve out of complete surrender, not out of a commitment. Servants see ministry opportunities, not ministry problems. Servants see their service as nourishment, not punishment. Servants live out the Bible stories for others, not just recite them. Servants are excited to help others exceed and succeed, not just promote themselves. The difference between a humanitarian and a servant of Christ is grace. Only the Christian servant can begin to put the grace in the heart of people so that lives will be transformed. Only Christ's servants can point hearts to Jesus. Matthew 5.16 says, Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. When we serve others and we trade our selfishness for selflessness, the transforming power of Christ is on display. That's when we become ambassadors for Christ. We become distributors of his grace in this world when we serve others. When we put the glory back on God, instead of accepting it for ourselves, the world says, hey, wait, that's different. It validates our faith, and it gives proof that our life is different, transformed, because we have Jesus. Philippians 2.4, do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Others means everyone, not just the ones you like, not just the ones you think deserve it. Christ's servants care and value all people because they matter to him. A servant of Christ has a heart that's so filled up and overflowing with grace and love that it just can't help but just spill out. A servant of Christ is always looking 
for ways to build others up, to encourage them, and to express appreciation for them. Sometimes being a servant is simply being there for someone, holding their hand, praying for them, saying hi, or giving them a push. When we make Jesus the subject, we begin to see every opportunity as a way to serve him through serving others. Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men. Holy, Holy Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the example of Jesus who humbled himself, who served in ways, Father, that for us to, to follow that, Father, it, it, it's humbling, Father. It, it, it looks so hard, but we know that your grace is there. Your grace is there to hold us up, to give us courage, Yes, to move for you, Father, to serve you, Father. We thank you for your grace that we receive through Jesus. Father, we thank you. We thank you. As we leave this place this evening, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that lives in us, that guides us, directs us. And as we Go our separate ways, Father. We ask that you open our hearts. You open our eyes to see your work, to see the opportunities that you're putting before us that sometimes, Lord, we say, send them away instead of standing up and serving. Father, thank you. In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen.